Hey Conjurers, I'm Steph. And I'm Sham. 1.4 million people take cruises to Alaska each year. And why not? Alaska is beautiful, filled with glaciers, wildlife, and the untamed beauty of the last frontier. And all from the comfort of a state-of-the-art cruise ship with endless activities to keep the kids out of your hair. For one family, the cruise that should have been the adventure of a lifetime turned into their worst nightmare. Christy Hunt was born October 30, 1977 in Salt Lake City, Utah, to Carrie and Jeff Hunt. She was born only 3 pounds 6 ounces, but had a strength and determination that she carried throughout her life. She was the baby with two protective older brothers, Cody and Dallas. Christy had an infectious, beautiful smile and a sweet and compassionate soul. She was always active, riding her bike, swimming at the pool with her dog, or just trying to keep up with her brothers. She participated in several sports and clubs in high school and even won first place at the Utah State FCCLA competition. Christy and her high school sweetheart, Kenneth Manzanares, got pregnant at 17 with their daughter, Kaylee, but it never slowed them down. Christy and Kenneth got married on August 27, 1999. Christy earned an associate's degree at the College of Eastern Utah, but then continued on to Southern Utah University where she earned a Bachelor's of Arts degree in Family and Consumer Science with an emphasis in interior design all while caring for her little girl as well. Over the years, Christy and Kenneth had two more daughters named Cammie and Kaya. Her daughters were the light of Christy's life. Everything she did, she did for them, big or small. Christy made a name for herself as a successful realtor in the St. George, Utah area, and she worked hard, but she always made time for fun. One of Christy's favorite things to do was spend summers at Lake Powell with her daughters and her best friends, who called themselves the Fab Five. Kenneth and Christy still made time for each other, too. They had started taking golfing lessons together and enjoyed the peaceful outings. Wow, well, that's impressive. I mean, she was pregnant straight out of high school and was able to accomplish more than a majority of us. Oh, absolutely. As a mother of a toddler right now, I'm super impressed with all she was able to do for herself at the same time. Right. I mean, they sound like a beautiful family, though. In 2017, they started planning a trip on an Alaskan cruise to celebrate their 18th wedding anniversary. They were both turning 40 soon, and they wanted to make a big deal of it. They decided to bring along all of their extended family members as well. They booked a trip on the amazing Emerald Princess cruise ship for themselves, their daughters, and a dozen other family members. On July 23, 2017, the cruise ship set sail from Seattle, Washington on a seven-day round trip, carrying 3,400 passengers. The Emerald Princess is huge. It spans the length of nearly three football fields, and it has 19 decks. Well, you know what? After 18 years of marriage and a big birthday like turning 40, I'd want something like this too. Yeah, it's a great idea. My husband and I are planning a big trip for our 10-year wedding anniversary, so good for them. So how was the trip? Well, the first day went great. Everyone was having a good time and enjoying the many available activities on the ship. 
By July 25th, things seemed tense between Kenneth and Christy, but no one gave it much thought. Until dinner that night, Kenneth drank too much and became belligerent. He was acting horrible all night, and Christy was humiliated and furious. After dinner, Christy decided to skip the murder mystery event planned for that night and took her extremely drunk husband back to their room, cabin number D726. Along with her oldest daughter, 22-year-old Kaylee, and another younger girl from their family. Christy wasn't one to hold her tongue, even in front of other people, and she went off on Kenneth about his behavior that night. Their argument got heated and loud, and at one point, completely exasperated, Christy told Kenneth she wanted a divorce. She told him to get off the ship at the next stop and fly back to Utah alone. She had had enough. An eerie calm came over Kenneth, and with cold eyes, he looked at his daughter and the other girl in the room and told them to get out. They obeyed and went to the adjoining room next door. A few minutes later, they heard Christy screaming. They tried to open the door that connected the rooms, but it wouldn't budge, and Kenneth yelled, Don't come in here. The girls stepped out onto their balcony and looked through the balcony window of the next room. They saw Kenneth straddling Christy on the ground, pounding her face with his fists. Oh my god. It went from taking my drunk spouse back to their room to assault so quickly. Yeah. We've talked before about how overindulgence of alcohol makes some people violent, but he wasn't impulsive. He calmly asked the children to leave the room before attacking his wife. Those poor girls. Did anyone do anything? Passengers in the surrounding rooms heard fighting and then a woman screaming. They knew it didn't sound normal, and some tried to get a view from their balconies while others called for security. Then they heard one of Christy's daughters running down the hall screaming for help. The older girl ran for help and returned a few minutes later with Christy's dad and older brothers. They burst into the room just in time to see Kenneth dragging Christy's limp body towards the balcony. One of her brothers leapt forward and grabbed Christy by the ankles and pulled her back into the room. They demanded to know what Kenneth had done, and he responded frantically, She wouldn't stop laughing at me. At this time, the ship's captain announced in a panicked voice for all security and medical personnel to report to Deck 9 immediately. Most passengers didn't take the announcement seriously. At that same time, they were enjoying a Sherlock Holmes-themed murder mystery about a murder on a cruise ship. They believed the announcement was just a part of the show. Well, if it was a game, I think Kenneth took it far too seriously. I would probably be thinking the same as those at the dinner party. Yeah, what a strange coincidence. Please tell me they were able to save her. Ship security and medical personnel arrived at their room and tried desperately to revive her, but she was already gone. While they tried to save Christy, Kenneth climbed out on the railing of their balcony and tried to jump into the ocean, as onlookers from other balconies screamed at him to get back inside. Security pulled Kenneth back in and handcuffed him. He was covered in blood and just kept repeating, My life is over. Christy was declared dead at 9.20 p.m., Outside the cabin door, their daughters were in a panic. The youngest 13-year-old, Kaya, was wrapped in a blanket, screaming, I want my mommy, I want my mommy. And I knew my dad would do this. I knew he would do this. 
By the sounds of it, she knew everything her dad was capable of. It sounds like this wasn't the first time he physically attacked her mom. She certainly seemed to have been expecting that something like this could happen. What a nightmare. Sharon will fill us in on what happened next after a short break. The rest of Christy and Kenneth's family was shocked by both the murder and Christy's demands for divorce. They told police that they had no idea if they were having marital problems. Everything had seemed perfect between them. Kenneth had never shown any violent tendencies or quickness to anger. He had no criminal record and there had never been any domestic violence complaints filed by the couple. In a lot of domestic murder cases, you'll find that there was a history of red flags. But in this case, there was no prior indication that they had any issues in their marriage at all. No one could understand why he had done this. You never really know what's going on behind closed doors. Clearly, their daughter had seen something in the past to make her say that she knew her dad would do this. The fact that he shouted get out to them and their first instinct was to go check on their mom through the windows means they definitely knew he was capable of causing her physical harm. So they were in the middle of the ocean. Where did they go from there? At the time that Chrissy was murdered, the cruise ship was in territorial waters off the coast of Alaska. So that meant that this case was officially going to be a federal case. Once they docked in Juneau, all of the 3,400 passengers that were placed on lockdown for hours were not allowed to leave their rooms. Princess Cruises handed out $150 of onboard credit to each passenger for the inconvenience. After the FBI finished their investigation, Kenneth was taken to the local jail and indicted by a grand jury on federal murder charges. The rest of Christy and Kenneth's family were escorted off the ship with hooded jackets and umbrellas to block their faces from the media. The autopsy confirmed what those close to the investigation already knew. Chrissy had died from blunt force trauma to her head and face. In August of 2017, Kenneth pleaded not guilty to first-degree murder of his wife. He continually dabbed at his eyes during his first court appearance, clearly very emotional over the situation. He was facing the death penalty, a maximum sentence of life in prison, or a fine of up to $250,000 or both for his crime. His trial was scheduled for May 20th of 2019 and was expected to last for four weeks, but the trial was delayed to give his defense team and the prosecution time to talk. Both sides agreed they wanted to reach an agreement and avoid a trial. Not guilty? How does he figure that? There are witnesses, and he was the only one who could have done it. Maybe he wants to blame it on blacking out like the guy from the St. Paddy's episode. Very possible. But like I said earlier, he wasn't impulsive about it. He had enough rational thought to save his daughter from seeing what he was about to do to her mother. That doesn't sound like blackout rage, you know? Right. If it was a blackout rage, he likely would have taken her life in front of them. Right. So what deal did both sides come up with? Well, in February of 2020, he filed a notice of intent to change his plea and confirmed that his attorneys were working to finalize the details of a plea agreement. Kenneth's attorneys stated that they had expert testing done that addressed his state of mind at the time of Christie's death and that it was a critical part of his case. In the plea agreement, he said he struck his wife with a closed fist, saw blood and struck her a second time, but claimed he had no memory after that point. The plea agreement stated that Kenneth would plead guilty to second-degree murder and could be sentenced to any term of years up to life imprisonment, 
a $250,000 fine, and a $100 special assessment and five years of supervised release. The sentencing hearing was set for May 28th of 2020, but due to the COVID-19 pandemic, it had to be pushed out. COVID has affected all of us, but I really hadn't considered that it's also delaying trials and sentencing. Yeah, I know most court hearings have been delayed or switched to a conference line like a Zoom call. It's wild, but it's understandable. I'm sure he will be sentenced this year. What happened to the rest of the family? At Christie's funeral, friends and family reminisced about Christie's karaoke performances, trips to the lake, and spontaneous dance parties. Everyone agreed that you couldn't just think about Christie without smiling. Family members from both Christie's side and Kenneth's side participated in the funeral, agreeing that they wanted to unite in their grief as best as they could. The family released a statement to the press that said, We are devastated over the loss of Christy. She is the light of our lives, a devoted mother, daughter, sister, and friend. Christy led by example with her giving heart, and we are inspired by the legacy of kindness and optimism she has instilled in her children. Longtime neighbor and family friend Dana Nichols started a GoFundMe account for Christy and Kenneth's daughters. In only 26 days, 552 people donated nearly $40,000. A second GoFundMe account started by another family friend raised another $10,000. Christy's niece put on a haircut and bake sale fundraiser and raised an additional $2,000 for the girls, who had in one horrible moment lost both of their parents. That's really nice of their neighbors to raise money for those girls. I can't imagine what it must be like for them. Money can't bring back their mother, but it can at least bring them a little comfort as they deal with the trauma. Yeah, the last thing they should have to worry about is money at a time like that. Was there anyone else involved that we should know about? Yeah, in 2018, a photographer by the name of Jean-Luc Von Wick filed a lawsuit against Princess Cruises seeking damages for emotional distress after being told to photograph the murder scene. The photographer was hired by the cruise company as an assistant photo manager, and his job was to take happy and fun pictures of the passengers. After Christie's murder, he was assigned the job of photographing the crime scene before they reached port, something he had not signed up for. He stated that he was given direct instruction by the security on the ship as to what to photograph and what not to photograph, and ended up taking around 100 photos. The lawsuit stated that he suffered from PTSD, recurrent nightmares, and severe mental anguish from being forced to witness and photograph such a horrific scene. Apparently, the photographer had at first said that he didn't want to take the pictures, but a security guard told him to shut up and get on with it. In the end, one of the agreements that the photographer signed stated that any legal disputes must be filed in Bermuda, not California, where the photographer filed. The last reports about the lawsuit show the courts in California directed the photographer to pursue arbitration in Bermuda. Okay... Yeah, I understand why they wanted someone to take photos while the crime scene was fresh, but that's messed up. He signed up to take happy pictures of people on vacation, not a dead body. As a photographer myself, I would be traumatized. A forensic photographer is a completely different skill set and a degree over a family photographer. Absolutely. That's not something you force on the everyday person. How often do you think things like this happen on cruises? Well, I was able to find many sources, which say approximately 200 people die on a cruise ship each year. 
The real number is likely higher, as not all cruise lines and countries share their death statistics. The majority of deaths that occur on board cruise ships are from natural causes, although some die in accidents, murders, suicides, or overdoses. Cruise ship murders specifically are incredibly rare, but they do happen occasionally. Murders are almost always committed by a person that the victim knows, and the majority of cruise ship murders involve arguments that escalate or a previous history of domestic violence. Kenneth remains in federal custody until his sentencing is finalized. He hasn't spoken publicly about what he did, and there is nothing he can say to his daughters to make it right. He stole their mother from them, and he will have to live with the consequences of that for the rest of his life. This seemingly happy couple planned a huge anniversary party with their entire family, and one fight later, that family was devastated and a beautiful life was gone. Were there signs that no one saw? Were they so good at hiding their marital troubles that no one knew to watch out for Christy's safety? If you're having angry or violent issues in a relationship, please don't keep it a secret. Reach out to a friend or even better, a professional for help. The National Center of Domestic Violence, Trauma, and Mental Health Services provides training, support, consultation to advocates, mental health and substance abuse providers, legal professionals, and policymakers. They work to improve agency and system-level responses to survivors and their children. Their work is survivor-defined and rooted in principles of social justice. If you are a victim of domestic violence or know someone who is, go to www.nationalcenterdvtraumamh.org or call 312-726-7020 for more information. To view images, information, and sources from this case, visit our website at crimeandconjure.com. Research and writing for this episode was done by Steph and Sham. Editing of this episode by Denver Fortner Productions with music by Jordan Elena. Be sure to check out our Instagram at Crime and Conjure Podcast for our question of the week. Steph, what is our Conjure Tip of the Week? Today we want to talk about Howlite. This soft white stone has a special calming effect. It's a gentle, soothing, nurturing stone that can dissolve hate, anger, resentment, and self-hatred. It transforms these harmful negative emotions into calm, peace, and tranquility. It can also help us to be patient while we learn to deal with our negative emotions. Controlling your energies is a process. It never happens overnight. So take one of these with you to the next party. If you see an angry drunk, have someone they trust, put it near them. You never know. (laughs) We'll be back next week with another episode. Until Until next time, stay vigilant, conjurers. conjurers.